Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Late Night Crimecast. I'm your host, Robin Steffens. You may or may not know me from my YouTube channel, in which I have a crime series based around kidnappings, murders, and the criminals themselves. This show will be very similar to that. So, if you're like me and you love true crime, especially if you get tangled in those cases that just keep you up at night, you're going to love this podcast. Every week on Wednesday, I'm going to post a new true crime story. I will cover cases that are local, cases that got a lot of media attention, and everything in between. So, if you guys are familiar with the case of Ryan Singleton, he was a 24-year-old model that basically ended up being murdered, and the theory is that organ trafficking came into play. But first... I really want to inform you guys on what organ trafficking really is and what it's about. So let me give you more information on this. In March 2019, there were more than 113,000 candidates waiting for organ transplants in the U.S. alone. The usual wait time for heart and liver transplants are 148 days. It can be even longer, which in most cases it is, or it can be shorter. I mean... There are certain statuses that a patient can be that will expedite them on getting an organ, but even taking that into account, it can take up to two months or longer. And again, I will reiterate that this is just in the U.S. I cannot say how it is in other countries, but I'm going to guess that it's very similar. The need for organs are worldwide. Like, there is a shortage everywhere. This is where organ trafficking comes in. It's really unknown how terrible it actually is because the black market, I mean, I'm sure you've heard of the black market. It's pretty difficult to obtain data on there. Um, The people who are doing business on there, they clearly are on there for a reason. They don't want to get caught, but it can be assumed that it is a bigger issue than we think. It's hardly ever talked about. Finding cases about organ trafficking Finding anything that really references it in the United States, it's so difficult, but it's a worldwide issue. The only country that legally allows organ trade is Iran. It's kept to citizens only, though, so you cannot, as a foreigner, go into Iran and attempt to buy or sell organs. That's the only country that legally allows this. So, In Iran, say a kidney is a few thousand dollars. This is because it's legal, things are regulated, etc., etc. But on the black market, that same kidney can be over a hundred thousand dollars once resold. So basically, a legal organ trade generates profits between 600 million to 1.2 billion dollars per year. That is how much this this trade is worth. So like I said before, it's really hard to find information or significant cases that involve organ trafficking. We hear so little about it and there is little knowledge of how it works. But one thing we do hear a lot about is human trafficking. With that, we mostly think of women and young children being taken and sold for sexual profit. But what we don't know is that human trafficking also includes organ trafficking. They are literally one and the same. It really makes sense to me because it's the same horrific idea. It's the use of human bodies against their will. So these children, 
men and women, they're being taken against their will and they become really susceptible to all the horrors of the world. Organ trafficking is literally like the recruitment, transport, or harboring of a person by means of threat, use of force, coercion, abduction, fraud, deception, abuse of power, just having someone in a position of vulnerability. And, you know, they give or receive payments in a benefit, you know, of having control over another person, control of their organs, the removal of their organs, tissues, cells for transplantation. And so, as you can see, that really... It, even the description of it itself, it really combines in with human trafficking. So now let's talk about the countries that, in particular, they have a lot of human trafficking. The top three nations of origin for victims of human trafficking in 2018 was the United States, Mexico, and the Philippines. This says a lot because that immediately points to supply and demand. And more often than not, low supply and high demand. So the one case that I was able to find in which someone was actually convicted of organ trafficking was a case from around 2009 to 2012. The man involved was named Levi Ishak Rosenbaum. He was born in Israel, but relocated to New York where he began to traffic in organs for people to buy. He essentially sold and brokered kidneys. So, you know, of course the FBI got wind of this and they ended up setting up a sting in which an FBI agent pretended he needed a kidney for his father and he essentially set up, uh, you know, pretty much set this guy up to meet up with him, do the whole kidney transplantation, and that's how he was caught. And guess what, guys? <laughs> He pled guilty to brokering three illegal kidney transplants for New Jersey-based customers, and this was in exchange for payments of $120,000 or more. And he only got two and a half years in prison. Two and a half years in prison literally blows my mind. That's nothing. I mean, it was the first federal conviction for profiting from the illegal sale of human organs, but still, what he got was a slap on the wrist. And so, you know what that says to other people who are involved with this? That if they get caught, they're not looking at a huge punishment. They're not looking at a lot of time. This guy ran an operation for three years. Maybe they didn't have enough evidence stacked up against him, but... Chances are, after he leaves, he's going to get right back involved in it because he he wasn't punished enough. I still feel like organ trafficking, at least to the public's knowledge, is still new and not really being handled at all. But I say all of this to kind of get to the actual story I want to talk about. And like I mentioned earlier, this story will be about Ryan Singleton. So Ryan Singleton was a 24-year-old male model. He was also an aspiring writer, filmmaker, and actor. And I mean, this man was still so young and had so many dreams that he wanted to accomplish. He was really a person to go out and, you know, really try to achieve those dreams. At 21 years old, Ryan left his mother's home in Georgia for New York City. He wanted to pursue his dream of becoming a model. 
He worked really hard and he eventually actually ended up walking at New York Fashion Week. Not long after his modeling career took off, he decided that he wanted to go to Hollywood and continue building his career there. He and his friends packed their belongings in a U-Haul truck and left New York for Los Angeles. They documented their cross-country journey. He had started making a docuseries with his friends called Are We Famous Yet? in which he was hoping to document his experience as he tried to get in with the inner circles and make his way to fame. So this included the trip from New York to Los Angeles, and it also included, you know, their life in Los Angeles. But then, randomly, during this time where he was still making his film, when he was still, you know, working on his career there, he randomly decided to leave Los Angeles and go back to New York and get married. His mother says that she didn't even know about this marriage. She said that she found out from social media that he even had gotten married. And not only that, but he got married to a man twice his age. This man was named Keith Brewster. Regardless, the marriage didn't last. It was only four months until they were separated and Ryan returned to his home in Georgia in spring of 2013. His mother recalls a conversation that they had when he returned home. Ryan asked his mother, something bad is going to happen to me, isn't it? Then she said, Ryan, what are you talking about? She asked him if he owed someone money, if he was in trouble, and he said no. He just cryptically said, I've done a lot of things to hurt a lot of people. His mother never found out exactly what he was talking about. He had been there for two days when he left his home in Atlanta, Georgia, for what was supposed to be a weekend trip to Los Angeles. On July 6, 2013, he arrives in Los Angeles, and he rents a car and drives to Las Vegas. On July 9, 2013, Ryan calls his mother in the morning asking her to send him $100 via Western Union and to send it to Nevada. Sometime after that, he attempts to make a return trip to Los Angeles. Unfortunately, his vehicle breaks down in the Mojave Desert. If you don't know what the Mojave Desert is, it's the driest desert in North America. If you haven't heard of it, maybe you've heard of Death Valley. That is the lowest and hottest place in North America, and it's contained in the Mojave Desert. So that's where his vehicle breaks down, and that's where he is stuck for a time. Now, we are really unsure of what happens to him during that time. It is just assumed that he gets lost and disoriented in the desert. But I'm going to jump to his mom and what's happening with her during this time. Later that same day, his mom receives a call from Keith. And if you can remember, that's Ryan's ex-husband. His mom tells Keith that Ryan is on the West Coast and Keith tells her that he knows that Ryan called him and it seemed that he had been drinking. Keith tells her that Ryan's life could be in danger. I want you guys to remember that because I find that to be very important for the story. So after hearing this and realizing that her son may be in danger, that something might be wrong with him, especially after the conversation she had with him before he left, she ends up getting in contact with the Barstow County Police Department. She speaks with a detective who tells her that Ryan was seen walking down the highway at 2 p.m. by Highway Patrol. 
Ryan had told deputies that his car broke down and that he had gotten attacked by small animals. Somewhere in between his car breaking down and him getting attacked by those animals, he managed to lose his car. Deputies took Ryan to look for the car, but they couldn't locate it. They then took Ryan to the closest town, which is in Baker, California, where they dropped him off at a convenience store. Ryan called a friend to pick him up, but that friend was a three-hour drive away. Despite that, his friend was still on the way, he was still coming, he would have just had to wait that three hours. So Ryan made a purchase and walked outside of the store. That was the last time Ryan was ever seen. When his friend arrived, Ryan was nowhere to be found. A missing persons report was filed. I feel like usually missing persons reports aren't filed this quickly, especially for an adult male, but the fact that he was alone without a car and in what I'm guessing is a desolate, hot area, I think that they decided that it was more of an emergency. So of course they filed that missing persons report and the next day, his car was found in Barstow County. This was a few miles north of where deputies and Ryan had initially searched for the car. The case was assigned to another detective who informed his mom that her son was receiving money from multiple people. Now, I'm really unsure of the facts on this and what that kind of implicates. Why was he receiving money? Um, who was it coming from? What was he involved in? What were they trying to implicate by saying that? Regardless, Ryan was missing for a very long period of time. The police, they had searched within, I believe, a five mile radius of where he was last seen, which was the convenience store. They had very thoroughly searched that area. They did not find anything they didn't find any traces of him during that time. Fast forward to 74 days later. This is on September 21st of 2013. Ryan's body is found by two joggers with his heart, lungs, kidney, liver, and eyes missing. His body was found only two miles from the convenience store where he was last seen. And this was in an area that had been extensively searched by detectives and investigators. So, of course, they take his body and autopsy is done. And I guess due to maybe the elements, animals, decomposition in general, the autopsy report listed the cause and manner of death as undetermined. Now... This is where things get very tricky and very blurred in between was this actually a part of some kind of organ trafficking scheme? His mother believes that something bad happened to him. His friends believe that he was murdered and that something bad happened to him. But of course, you know, officials, they're like, it was probably just animals, but here is where I have 
a really big issue with this. I feel like if the area in which he went missing, if his body was being searched for so extensively and they were not able to find him, but you're telling me that two months after his disappearance, he's found by a pair of joggers? That makes no sense to me. There's honestly something very sketchy about that and if you don't agree with me, you don't have to, but forgive me if I'm wrong. I feel like in cases like this, not all the facts are out there. There is a huge gap of time in between when he went missing and when his body was found. And also there's a gap of time in between when he left the convenience store. We have no idea where he went. We can assume that something happened to him after he left in which he was possibly hurt, in which he was maybe dehydrated, passed out, and had just succumbed to the elements. But I feel like none of it really adds up or makes sense. I feel like that it's very stressed that his heart, his lungs, his kidney, his liver, and his eyes were missing. The autopsy report cannot even conclude what he died from. Everything is just so unclear in this case. I don't know if maybe the articles and the papers, they just emphasized the organs missing because it's so strange that those specific things are just concentrated on and it just so happens that those are the most common organs to be traded in organ trafficking or if they just said it just because that's just the facts of the case i don't know what kind of damages there were done to his body a human body automatically will start decomposing even after a few days and so after two months i can only imagine the decomposition that his body had gone through already so with that being said i don't think i can conclusively say that yes this was organ trafficking or this wasn't organ trafficking it's very suspicious to me that days before he left he thought that he was in trouble he thought that something bad was going to happen to him he seemed to be hyper aware of this so much so that he confronted his mom about it but was unwilling to really give her any details on it that number one to me is very suspicious there is also his older ex-husband. He even told the mom that he thought that he was in trouble. Third, there is also the police mentioning this whole money exchange that people were, he was receiving money from multiple people. He could have been targeted by someone, a group of people. He could have gotten mixed in the wrong crowd. I just find it very difficult to believe that he was out there for two months in an area that had been searched and that his body just magically appears just two miles away from where he was last seen and there's no explanation for his death and also there's no explanation as to why they were not able to find him but two random people were i feel like there is so much missing from this story with that all being said, if I've missed anything in this case, and if you know extra information that you think I might be interested in, please just contact me 
at my Instagram, Late Night Crimecast. It's the same name as this podcast. And, you know, just DM me. I'm open for conversations all the time, open to start conversations, especially revolving around these cases. I'm open for suggestions on anything as well. I'm going to end this podcast here. There's just so much mystery surrounding this case, and I really, there would have to be a huge update on this case for me to actually expand on it because I don't want to put any false information or false ideas out there. I just want to say that everything that I've said about this case and everything that I think about this case is an opinion. I personally think that it can have been involved with this just because of what's been given to me and what information that I have. But I really, I don't know all the ins and outs of the investigation. I don't know what really happened to this man. And so I'm just going to end this podcast right here. That's it for today's Crimecast. Thank you guys so much for listening and tune in next Wednesday for more. Thank mm-hmm. you.